You're listening to The Hockey Show, presented by Coors Light. Call us or tweet your comments to at ESPN1000. The Hockey Show. This is ESPN1000, Chicago's home for sports. everybody welcome to the hockey show on espn 1000 with brian hanley i'm pat boyle coming to you from the first midwest bank studios good morning brian how you doing today dan patrick you know what those schedule makers did what they didn't give us enough florida we need more florida we need you know what we don't we really don't no no last week we were saying thank god there's only two more right yes yes no yeah what a week what a difference we need more panthers we do. More, they, should, they should stick around. More cowbell, more Panthers. <laughs> it, it was an impressive week for the Hawks. You know, they, they come back from that tough road trip to Florida, having lost four in a row. They get back-to-back wins against the Panthers. Yes, they were without their best player, Alexander Barkov. Oh, that, that little detail. Yeah, uh, but on. that's a quality team. And the Hawks found a way to beat them twice in regulation. First time that Florida's lost three in a row this year. And they did it all while... One Kirby Doc is practicing with the team, ramping up for his return from wrist surgery well ahead of uh, the initial timeline that they had set. So we'll see. But this was a great response, I thought, from this this young team this week. And now they're back in that four seed. They've got a three-point lead over Columbus and a four-point lead over Nashville. Nashville is at the United Center tonight and tomorrow night. So, again... Huge games. They're all huge when there's only 56 of them, and you're, they're all against division foes. And you're, you're still holding on to that fourth spot in the division, and you got a little breathing room now. But you mentioned it. It's not so much Columbus, who's immediately behind the Hawks. Nashville 6-3-1 in their last 10. Might be getting, hitting their stride here a little bit, but you have a chance to, to keep uh, some separation and increase that, as you said, in the next two games. So. Big week, but they're all big. But uh, a lot of great storylines this week that reemerged, I guess, would be the word. I, I think so. I think special teams was much better, namely the penalty kill. They were perfect six for six. Now, that's a few too many penalties for my liking. But uh, they uh, they killed off all six power plays that Florida had on Thursday. Kane, what else is new? He factored in on four of the six goals scored over those two games. And the most important thing, they found out a way to close out a quality team both games, uh, especially against a Florida team that had 12 come-from-behind victories this season. Tuesdays was a little dicey, Brian. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> I, I would not. Uh, I was uh, a little nervous watching that. Uh, yeah, comfortable 3 nothing. Wait, 3-2. 3-2. Yeah, and Florida was absolutely coming, and the Hawks oh, were yeah. on their heels. Thursday, they get that three-zip victory. Much better job in the third period, limiting the Panthers to just one scoring chance before the Hawks added the empty netter. Uh, here is Connor Murphy on closing things out in the third period. I think recognizing that we had a lead and not to to feel panicked and not to and kind of reset from the period before of letting in uh, letting grade grade eight chances and and uh, being a little sloppy with our coverage and, and puck play. So uh, in the third period, we definitely seemed to play some D zone. But when we did, we were structured. I mean, we, we showed times in the past where we would uh, vacate the front of the net and let a guy get a grade eight chance in the slot or. 
or we'd let their D kind of walk down to open ice. And it seemed like guys were uh, clicking better with that and realizing that even though um, they were going to have a little bit of a push that we weren't going to panic and we were going to um, play to how we know we can uh, D zone. And then when you get a puck, be able to make a strong play to get it out at the right time. So it was, it was kind of that clicked and, uh, and we were able to hold them to not get many chances there, which uh, is big. There was total buy-in down the stretch. You want to know a commitment a hockey team has to trying to win a game? Take a look at block shots. Connor Murphy, who you just heard from, was credited with a season-high eight block shots the other night. Uh, It takes a lot of guts to lay down in front of a 97-mile-an-hour slap shot. It is. I mean, it's... And and credit Kevin Lankin in afterwards. So he gets his second career shutout, 41 saves. And he was commenting on guys like Murphy and Dahan and Zadorov who were paying the price in front of him. This is when we talk about the total buy-in that Jeremy Colleton is asking for from this young team. Uh, we saw that over large stretches this past week. No doubt. I mean, you look, and Lincoln was absolutely terrific. Both games, I mean, after really a rough patch, uh, six games where he's 1-4-1 and one with a sub-900 save percentage, eight eight seven, And so he needed, the Hawks needed him to, to be Kevin Lincoln again, and he did. But, you know, as much as he was outstanding, 73 shots the, the Panthers created, Yeah, uh, th- there was an eight-minute stretch there where they didn't, in the third period, uh, pr- pr- pretty much from the nine-minute, nine-and-a-half-minute mark on, where they didn't get a shot. And you're sitting there nursing a couple-goal lead, and we know, I think, seven of the last nine multi-goal leads before this week, uh, the Hawks frittered away, right? I right. Mean, they get up, get up two, and next thing you know, they're in the loss column. Yeah, they didn't know. They don't know how to manage games. At least that's what you know. Jeremy Colleton has been saying, and that's something a, a young team needs to to learn how to do: how to handle the pushback when the momentum changes in a game. And and now, look, it was not pretty. The the second half of the second period on Thursday night. It, that is not a recipe. Uh, for success. But in that third period where I kept waiting for Florida to to, to bring it, uh, they kept them on the outside. There was not a lot of quality. There's only one scoring chance before the Hawks added the empty netter. Here's Colleton on his team finishing games this past week. We want to build confidence that we got a lead in the third. We're going to close it out, especially at home. Um, that you want those to be automatic. And and also the way that you do it, it can build confidence in our team. We want to just snuff it out. So uh, steps forward for sure. Uh, not perfect. And we know there's things we can be better at. But uh, we're a team that has a lot of learning to do. And we know we got to keep improving. That's uh, We've said that time and time again. And, and uh, you know, we're going to keep that mentality. So, but uh, happy for the guys. They, they found a way to close this one out fairly uh, comfortably. Speaking of snuffing it out, uh, it was bounced back from from a lot of different parts of this team, right? Right, Brian? And, and I think in net, like you can say, you can look at the the numbers as far as the Hawks not closing out teams entering this week. You can look at the penalty kill struggling. You can look at, as you mentioned earlier, Kevin Lankinen's numbers, you know, that 897 type save percentage. He was absolutely flawless on Thursday. How about the three on O in the second oh period gosh. that he stopped? Yeah. I mean, yeah. are you kidding yes. me? You don't, you don't, you don't see that. I mean, you just don't see that. <laughs> yeah, no, you don't. Be, 
it's like a 97% chance or something, you know, prob- goal probability. And, and going back to blown leads and all, I think it's still around 68%. If you score the first goal in, a, in an NHL right. game, you're going to win that game. So when you're dropping seven of nine multi-goal leads, I mean, that, that tells you, again, how precarious and how slim the, the margin of error is for this team. But, hey, this – I know some people are going to say, who cares if they make the playoffs and blah, blah, blah. Well, one, they, they put together six weeks where they certainly look like they could compete in a playoff round, and they won one last year when they were gifted a spot, right? So you heard the, the Bulls brass talk about it this week you know, the playing game or whatever, for young guys, it you know, they want to win. And winning games is what teams are supposed to do. And this really thing, it could have been free fall, right? If they right. drop these two to Florida, the bottom might be completely out and who knows where the season ends up. So Lankanen was brilliant in both games, especially Thursday, stopping the 41 shots, 23 scoring chances for Florida. Here's Lankanen on the only thing that was missing from his shutout on Thursday – a full house at the United Center. I think about it quite a lot. I like to imagine and uh, visualize the whole building being full of those loud Blackhawks fans. So I think whenever we get the chance to bring them in, it's going to be just another another amazing experience for us. So what's your biggest takeaway from the sweep over Florida? That is our poll question. You can follow the show on Twitter at ESPN Hockey Show. And uh, the choices are they held on to leads. Solid special teams, Lankin in his back, or the final option, Florida missed Barkoff. Again, go to Twitter, at ESPN Hockey Shows, where you can follow us. Give us a call at 312-332-3776. Coming up on the show, we're going to hear from Elliot Friedman. He is the the like Adam Schefter of the NHL. We got the trade deadline in just over two weeks. I caught up with him yesterday. We talk about uh, what the market is like um, for certain members of the Blackhawks, like a Matthias Yanmark. Later in the show, uh, morning skate is going on in, in this hour at the United Center as the Hawks get ready for the Nashville Predators. We'll hear from Charlie Romeliotis. He's the Blackhawks insider at NBC Sports Chicago. He'll be there on Doc Gate. What did you think, Brian? Doc Gate. Yeah, Doc There's Gate. There's a controversy? No, no, I guess it's not. It's, uh, it's Doc Watch. Doc Watch. Doc Watch. Uh, Doc dun, Gate. Dun, dun. Yeah. Peel, Peel, uh, Peel Gate is, we'll get into that oh, a little yeah, bit yeah, later yeah. on. Yeah, um, get, your, get yourself one of those Doc Watches so you can get your <laughs> your heart, your pulse rate is done there. You can talk, you know, take, take your phone calls, everything. The exactly. Doc Watch. Yeah. Well, uh, you know what? Let's head to the phone lines right now. Let's sl- squeeze in Jonathan from Valparaiso. Jonathan, you're up next on the Hockey Show. Good morning, Jonathan. Um, hey, guys. Can you hear me? We can. Um, I was just wondering of what you guys thought about uh, what Stan Bowman's biggest um, move is going to be in the near and long-term future, and if Dylan Strom um, should be traded at some point because Dylan's very inconsistent, and sometimes he looks great, sometimes he um, he's invisible. So I, I don't know because Dylan, his point total other than from the eighteen nineteen stretch when he came in, uh, he hasn't been that good, and it, I know it would upset Dylan or it would upset DeBrinket, but sometimes you got to make tough moves as a GM. All right, John, good call. Um, well, let's dive into that real quickly here. I, you know, Dylan has been inconsistent. He's looked pretty good. I, I'll, I'll say since he returned from the concussion, he missed yeah, eleven late. games yeah. 
Uh, he got a goal uh, in his in his first game back. They lack center depth right now, and I know they've got Dylan Strom on the wing right now, but uh, that's a position that is is not deep in this organization, especially with Jonathan Taves on the outside and Kirby Dock still on the sidelines as well. Is he a key figure that is part of a championship team? I think the uh, the jury is still out on that. I think there's he's he's great great hands. Great playmaker, lack of speed, and yeah, at times I don't see a lot of edge to his game. So he's a guy that, like, if they get to the playoffs, that's somebody I'm going to be watching with a critical eye to see how he takes his game to the Stanley Cup playoffs. Because at the yeah. end of the day, you know, I need to see if if he's noticeable in those games. If he is, and he is integral in this team you know, scoring or playing well on on the man advantage or getting deep against a, you know, a tough Tampa or Florida team or whoever they might face, then my my stock may may rise and my, my thoughts may change a little bit on Strom. What, what, where do you stand on Dylan? Brian? I think we lost Brian. Uh, but no, I'm, I'm here. I'm okay, here. Where, where, where do you where do you stand on Strom? Well, I mean, April 12th is the deadline, right? right. So you'd, you'd be selling low. I don't, I don't know why you'd be thinking about moving him now. Oh no, I, he's not. He's not on the trade block right no, now. No, but I mean, I mean, our yeah. caller is intimating. You know, he's just he's seen enough. But he signed through the end of next season. Maybe this off season, like you said, give him the end of the season, give him the playoffs, assuming, and then take a hard look. But he is under contract at three million dollars through next year. I, I mean, I'm giving them all probably to the till next trade deadline, a year from now, till I make that decision. We'll uh, get Elliot Friedman's thoughts on what the Blackhawks might do at the April 12th trade deadline. That's coming up next, plus your calls, 312-332-3776. Brian Hanley, Pat Boyle, The Hockey Show, ESPN 1000. You're listening to The Hockey Show, presented by Coors Light. When you're at home, don't miss Chicago's only show dedicated to hockey fans. Tell your smart speaker to play ESPN 1000. Now, Chukwon, good save for Cross, Anasaka went on, Soderberg, it's loose. Now, Hagel, he scores! Brandon Hagel, I should say Patrick Kane on the third or maybe even fourth chance. Wabrowski with a couple of terrific stops in tight, but... Back on the hockey show on ESPN 1000, presented by Coors Light. Break away from the nonstop chill. It's Pat Foley on the call as the Blackhawks take on the Nashville Predators tonight and tomorrow night. 7 o'clock puck drop, 6.30 pregame show on NBC Sports Chicago. We're going to be going live to the United Center just a bit. Charlie Romeliotis will join us. He's on Doc Watch. We'll see if uh, Kirby is uh, is going to appear in either tonight or tomorrow night's game. If not, uh, Brian, he will be in the lineup around the corner. And that, regardless of what they do at the trade deadline, that is going to be the, the biggest move this team is, is going to endure. Yeah, no doubt. And you wonder, you know, and, and different like the NBA, they usually have minutes limits when guys come back from a long absence. 
if he if he gets thrown in there tonight and looks good and all that, do you give him back to backs or you just is there a more conservative approach? It'll be interesting to see how this plays out. Yeah, I think uh, when he is ready to go, he'll be back in there on the second line as a center, and I think they'll try to watch his minutes. But when he's ready to go, uh, he will be out there, and I, I think he will play in back-to-back games. Um, so the trade deadline, as we mentioned, is April 12th. I expect the Hawks, you know, they're in the four spot right now, Brian. I expect them to be there or maybe be a couple of points out of that. So the question becomes, what what should you do if that's the case? Doc is about to return. They've got $20 million in cap space. Should they be a buyer? Or should they look to the future if someone makes a strong offer for a veteran like a Matthias Janmark or Carl Soderberg? Janmark has 10 goals on the year. He had six in each of the last two go- two years. He was excellent for the Dallas Stars in the playoffs last year in the bubble. He was instrumental in the Stars getting to the Stanley Cup Finals. Given an opportunity this year to show more of his offensive side, and he's got an expiring contract. I talked to Elliot Friedman of Sportsnet, Hockey Night in Canada Insider. I asked him what the market for Yanmark is as we approach the trade deadline. Well, first of all, as you said, I think he's a respected player. He's done that, right? People people know what he can do, so I would think that there would be interest in him for sure. I'm probably thinking like uh, like again, if if there's a bunch of teams that decide they want to get Yanmark, then the price goes higher. But you know, I wouldn't be surprised if it's like a second round pick and or a decent prospect or something like that. Like Yanmark's got respect. Um, you know, a lot of it depends on the, like 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 Edmonton, for example. They they don't have a second, a third, or a fifth round pick. Like they're looking to do something for a fourth rounder. That at best they don't want to give up their first. So it depends on who you're dealing with. But I could see Yanmark being worth a bit more than that. Like that's the one thing. Like he's not making a ton of money, and he's got respect as a player. I think that's the kind of guy that could have some real interest out there. Yes. So. You know, it sounds to me like the the one piece that people are going to be calling Stan Bowman about over the next couple of weeks is Matthias Janmark. And I think it's an interesting decision. I mean, where do you stand on the importance of playoff experience for this young team? Well, I, th- I think it is important. And... I'd be surprised still if they get a second round pick. If they do, I think you have to say, you know, we'll talk to you in the summer, hopefully resign you. Right. If it's a third round pick, maybe, maybe I'm going to think, think about that one a little longer and think about value the rest of this season. Where in the third, third round might you be selecting, you know, with, with a a team competing for a playoff, it's not going to be top of the third round. Right. So Late second round, I'd say probably do it. Late third round, I'd probably have to think about that a little longer. So I asked Elliot Friedman if he thinks the Hawks are going to be buyers or sellers if they are in the playoff mix. What kind of priority does Chicago put on making the playoffs? And that is not insignificant. Like Even in a great hockey market like Chicago, when you are coming out of the pandemic, it is going to be easier to sell tickets and get your fans back in the building if you make the playoffs, any owner in this league will tell you the financial difference between making and missing the playoffs is enormous. So, you know, you're talking about Yanmark's good player, Soderbergh's a good player. 
to me, the biggest question is, does Chicago look at this and say, do we, we want to make, we want to keep this run? Because why make yourself thinner? Like, as you guys mentioned, Doc is coming back. It makes Soderberg expendable. Yes, it does. But this is a year where a lot of guys are getting hurt and the schedule's compressed. If you really want to make the playoffs, you don't want to be thin. Look, it's important to make the playoffs. I thought it was a huge step for this team to go to Edmonton last year, beat the Oilers in that opening round, and then get some experience against a good Vegas team. And we saw how, how that, that went rather quickly when they, they stepped up in class. We saw on this recent road trip what it's like to play Tampa. We've seen what it's like to play Florida. And we'll see more of Carolina in the coming weeks. I think there's a huge separation between the top three in this division and where the Hawks are and where Columbus and Nashville are at vying for that four spot. To me, I'm thinking big picture. If someone offers me a second or third rounder for Matthias Janmark, I am taking that and running. And I'm saying to my stars like Patrick Kane, guys, you saw it. We played Florida eight times. You know, they are much better than us. We beat them when they didn't have their best player. We need to get more talent. We uh, play this relentless style, and we can stay in games. We're still giving up way too many chances. We're still relying on our goaltender to bail us out. We need more talent, and you can get talent in the second and third round in this league. Alex Dabrinkit is a second-round pick. It can happen. Um, hey, let's uh, let's dive into one-timers real quickly. Here's here's one-timers. One timers. One timer by Edmonton. It's gone. On the hockey show. One time shot. On ESPN 1000. It wasn't much, but I wanted to get a penalty against Nashville early. In- that was Tim Peel. He was fired earlier this week by the NHL for that hot mic incident. You just heard him say it wasn't much, but I was going to get a Blanken penalty against Nashville early. What did you think of the whole Tim Peel controversy, Brian? I've never, obviously never seen it before. You know, in the NBA, you had Tim Donaghy, you know, accused of trying to to give information to gamblers and, and you know, fix games or whatever. And, and, I mean, back in the day, you know, Kaharski, go get another donut, you big fat, you know. <laughs> Yeah, I saw Bob Murray trying to kick in the door to the officiating room one time. I mean, that's just old hockey, right? Right. Technology, you've got mics everywhere. I still don't know the motivation. I don't know if he had something against the Predators, who, again, 6-3-1 and one in their last 10, are doing pretty well for themselves. Um, he was going to retire at the end of the year at 53. So basically they told him, hit the bricks now. My question, Pat, is, what comes? What follows this? Okay, you just got rid of the bad apple. In the NBA, you have the final two-minute reports, which basically just aggravates and, and infuriates every fan. People. Yeah, the right. next the next morning. Oh yeah, you blew three, and it cost us yeah. the game. Thank you. Nothing's done about it. Yeah, and, and look, you can't in the NBA. You can't go over chapter and verse on every travel or every foul. But in the NHL, could you just after a post-game report the next day or whatever? have the league say there were seven penalties called in that game and six of them were legitimate and valid. And the, you know, the, the seventh one we had an issue with just to, to give more transparency or, you know, more account for the referees. But we were talking about before the show, you know, and the stats point, uh, bring it up or, or 
back it up is that they even up calls and the numbers yes, say that, that's what this is all about brian i mean do you think there's anything that could have been said if that that hot mic is uh, is kept up following what peel says i'm gonna play it one more time is there anything that could have that could have followed that would have made it look less indicting here again here's peel the other night there wasn't much but i wanted to get a penalty against nashville early in early what if he said because we made two bad calls against them at the end of the first period, and, and so to even things up, I, I think we needed to call a penalty on Nashville. Yeah, like, it, it, I mean, you look at, at uh, Ben Pope in the Sun-Times, the 10 most disciplined teams, 3.01 penalties average per game, and their opponents against you know, in those same games, 3.24. The 10 least disciplined teams, 3.95 penalties per game, and their opponents, 3.75. I mean, it's almost... Penalty for penalty, right? Right. And and a couple of the Hawks said it this week. You shouldn't you shouldn't penalize literally a team for not for doing its job and drawing penalties from the other team. You shouldn't just say, "Well, we got to even it up." I mean, it's just got to be fair. Maybe one team is playing undisciplined and, and losing their mind, and they should it should be six to two in penalties. There you go. I mean, look, it certainly questions the integrity of the officials when you hear something like that. And they fired him. He was going to retire at the end of the year. And so, you know, a, a 22-year career in the NHL where he had over 1,300 uh, games officiated, 90 in the playoffs, the Olympics, he goes out as uh, as somewhat disgraced official. Uh, with gambling legal now and so closely connected to these sports like the NHL, they had no choice. They had to do this, right? I mean, that just here's here's my thing. Call the rule book all the time, every game, all game long. You mentioned and, the game. The gambling teams are now uh, aligning themselves legally so with with sports books that are going to have them in the arenas soon enough, right? They are. You you're going to have to be as transparent as possible. Speaking of arenas, there's a report out this morning that there's some signage going up right now in the United Center that would hint that fans may be back at 1901 West Madison sooner rather than later. We'll get into that with Charlie Romeliotis, the insider for NBC Sports Chicago. Next, it's The Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. You're listening to The Hockey Show. Pat Boyle and Brian Hanley host Chicago's only show dedicated to hockey fans. The Hockey Show. Presented by Coors Light. On Chicago's home for sports. ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. Zubelik back to Doc. He drives to the backhand. He scores! Kirby Doc has now extended a point streak to four games in a row. He had his full top line. Here's a shot. Good save. Hunches the rebound. The score! Kirby Doc picked up the rebound. Pound the back of the net. And Doc has doubled the lead. It's the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000 presented by Coors Light. Break away from the non-stop chill. Blackhawks back in action tonight, tomorrow night. They've got a three-point lead over Columbus, a four-point lead over Nashville. The Predators are on the west side the next two nights, and that's where NBC Sports Chicago's Blackhawks insider Charlie Romeliotis will be, and he joins us now on the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. Good morning, Charlie. How are you doing? 
Good morning, Pat. Brian, how are you guys doing? We're doing excellent. Uh, first up, you're at the United Center for Morning Skate. What what have you seen thus far? Uh, do any indications point to uh, Lankinen starting? Yep, so it looks like Kevin Lankinen is going to start, um, unsurprisingly, after that 41-save shutout. And I could tell you right now, we're watching some power play units. Kirby Dock is on the first power play unit right now at Morning Skate. So wow. I don't know if that's an indication that he's playing tonight, but he's certainly ramping up and getting ready. Um, so we'll see. And Jeremy Colleton actually just sat down at the podium now, so I don't know if we're going to get some information. He, he tends to keep his lineup close to the vest during an optional skate, so we'll see what comes out of it. When you look at Kirby Dock, how surprised are you with the progress he's made? Yeah, I think everyone's surprised. That Obviously, the original timetable had him at four to five months, which would have put him at end of April, beginning of May. And that would have been flirting with end of the season kind of stuff. And we've talked about it in the past, like the Blackhawks are very cautious about um, injury timelines and they're usually overly cautious because they don't want to set unreasonable expectations. But I think the Blackhawks are surprised. I think Kirby is surprised that he's progressed um, this quickly. So the fact that he's already on the ice and he's, he could potentially be returning um, after, what, three months is uh, is a huge surprise for sure. As you predicted, Charlie, Colleton says Lankinen is starting. He's not giving out the rest of the lineup right now. I sti- still need to have a couple conversations. So, uh, usually after a win, there aren't many lineup changes, especially a 3 nothing win. Um, I, to see Kirby Doc on that first unit, it's different than what you've seen the last few morning skates where he's been out there kind of with this with the healthy scratches, right? So this is a this is a a kind of a change in doc protocol, so to speak. Yep, yeah, usually at practice he'll, he'll be out there 20 minutes before um working with the forward groups and working with the skills coach Brian Kane and then he'll go through his normal routine with the practice and then he'll after practice ends he'll head to the second sheet of ice with with the scratches and the Blackhawks did that with Adam Boquist when he was recovering from that COVID-19 after being out for a couple of weeks. They were really ramping up his conditioning, and that's what it felt like. It, it just it felt like they wouldn't be giving him all this extra work if his wrist was, was ailing him in some way. It, it was more of a matter of conditioning. And so the fact that he's on the power play unit right now, um, we'll see if he stays out a little bit later after morning skate. But I don't think the Blackhawks would be putting him on this first unit if they didn't prepare for him to potentially be returning this weekend. Charlie, we've been talking about it. The formula of Lincoln and plus special teams have taken the Hawks a long way, but it's a it's a tough formula to depend upon each night. Um, when you look at the power play, Brandon Hagel is is he have a future with the with the power play? He certainly had uh, what two minutes going into this week on the power play, and all of a sudden he looks like they want they want to see more of him. Yeah, so it's interesting. I'm watching the power play right now, and and. Kirby is actually in Brandon Hagel's spot in the slot. I was wondering about we that, saw, yeah. Yeah, and we usually saw in the uh, in the Edmonton bubble, we saw Kirby was kind of that net front guy, but that's, that appears to be Carl Soderberg, and maybe that's just a way of kind of easing Doc back into the equation so he's not taking as much punishment um, down low. But, yeah, Brandon Hagel, I mean, he's been terrific. And, and I even after practice a few days ago, it was Patrick Kane, Adam Bolquist, and Brandon Hagel. Those are the last three guys on the ice. 45 minutes after practice wrapped up, and, and Hagel was just out there taking one-timers from Patrick Kane in the slot. So Hagel's been far impressive this year. That The more ice time they give him, it seems like he's really handling it well. Like, he's not a guy that, you know, like, uh, he's hitting the Ricky wall. Like, he really seems to be absorbing that responsibility and taking it in stride. 
You can follow Charlie at C. Romeliotis. Uh, he does great work for NBC Sports Chicago as our Blackhawks insider. Uh, ben Pope tweeted out something this morning, uh, some new signage that he saw at the United Center. Basically, it's fan protocol for, for attending either a, a Blackhawks or a Bulls game. Do you get the sense that the United Center is ramping up, so to speak, as we borrow the term that we're talking about with Doc? Do you think they're ramping up for a return for a certain percentage of fans in the not-too-distant future? Yeah, I, I definitely feel like we're inching closer. And, and if you look around the league, too, a lot of these bigger markets in the United States are, are starting to open up 15, 20, 25% capacity. And I think recently the Chicago Steel just were the, the first local team to open up indoors. So, like, I feel like we're trending in that direction. Now, when that could be, uh, I'm not sure. Uh, but it's a good sign, the fact that we're kind of preparing for that possibility. And I'm sure the, Bla- you know, the Blackhawks talk about it. Even Kevin Lincoln had talked about it after his shutout victory last last night where, or the other night where he's like, I can't even imagine what this place would be like. Um, you know, after a 41-save shutout, he trots onto the ice as the number one star and he's doing his, his wave going across <laughs> the, um, the ice that the Finlands do over there. So, yeah, it, it's exciting, though, that we're slowly inching closer to that day. And, and the revenues, though, I mean, even through next season, Charlie, we're not expecting anything with the salary cap, right, because of all the revenues that have been lost so far. Right, correct. And, and I think it's also a, a noteworthy deal, too, because if the Blackhawks make the playoffs, like they're going to be able to recoup some of that money um, depending on how far they go. And obviously they're going to, it would probably draw Tampa or Carolina or Florida, and it wouldn't be a pretty first-round matchup. But I think it's cool that we're, we're slowly ramping up as the Blackhawks are really hitting their stretch run here. Charlie Romeliotis joins us on the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000, presented by Coors Light, break away from the nonstop chill. Uh, Colleton is speaking right as we're having this conversation, so uh, a lot of things are coming out real time. Basically, he says Doc's inclusion on the power play is just getting him ready for when he's going to be inserted into the lineup. Not saying it's imminent tonight, tomorrow night, whatever. They're still keeping that close to the vest, but it certainly looks it looks to be close. Uh, we had a conversation you and I did yesterday with Elliot Friedman of Hockey Night in Canada talking about the upcoming trade deadline. As you've watched this team, uh, not only from the bubble to where they are at now, the surprise they've been for this league, uh, the buy-in they've had with Jeremy Carlton's system, what it takes for them to compete on a nightly basis. If the Hawks are in this four spot over the next two weeks – and somebody offers a second or third round pick for somebody like Matthias Janmark or Soderberg or somebody like that, would you make the move even if you were in the quote-unquote playoff hunt? Yeah, it's tough. So two things. I don't expect the Blackhawks to be buyers no matter what, right? Like I, I believe that they're still going to stay the course here and they're, they're kind of going to give this group a go. The question is, like you said, is Matthias Janmark and, and some of the guys that have some value on this roster, whether it's a Calvin DeHaan, too, if you want to prepare for the Seattle expansion draft. Do you get what you can out of them right now? Um, you know, because they might not be in the future. And we talked about it on the podcast, too. Maybe a guy like Janmark would be considered to re-sign here at the end of the year. So you can get those future assets for him. So I don't know. I think there's something to be said about keeping the group together. Um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised one way or the other if, if the Blackhawks do end up trading a guy like Yanmark for, for future assets. I can see it, um, especially with Kirby returning, right? Like, he's, he's a basically a free trade deadline acquisition 
top six forward where maybe a guy like Yanmark does move into a more of like a middle six or bottom six role. And so maybe you just capitalize on that, um, on his value now. But it's going to be interesting to see. I, I still think the Blackhawks have the big picture in mind where they want to recoup some uh, future assets, whether it's in the form of prospects or draft capital, and try to use the 20 plus million dollars in cap space that they have to acquire an expiring contract um, and maybe get some sweeteners the way the Blackhawks have given them up in the years. Is there a line in the sand? I mean, does it have to be a second round pick or if it's a third, do you have to think about it? Yeah, I think, I guess it depends on the market. Like what's, what's the market for Yan market? How many teams are bidding for him? Um, you know, I, I don't think I would necessarily move him um, if, if I'm only getting one or two offers and then just to move him, just to move him. Right. So I think if there's a bidding war, then maybe you consider it and, and the price keeps going up depending on what the market uh, sets ahead of the deadline. Charlie, I think you brought up a great point with the 20 million in cap space they have because of all the players they have on LTIR. I could see the Blackhawks being used as that third team to absorb some money because they've got the space. They get the sweetener in a pick or a prospect, much like when the Hawks dealt Robin Leonard to Vegas last year, they needed Toronto to pull off that trade. So the Hawks, with that $20 million in cap space, I could see if somebody wants to add a big-ticket player and don't have the cap space, part of that money could be shed here in Chicago with no long-term ramifications, and the Hawks get something for recouping that, that taking that money. Right, especially in this financial market, too, where obviously Taylor Hall or, or Matthias Ekholm or Ryan Ellis, those are guys, uh, those are big free agents, right? Taylor Hall of that group is the guy that's making $8 million, and he's the only one on the expiring contract. So if you're a big market team and you're up against the cap and you want to make a splash, there's no way you can absorb that contract uh, without having a third party facilitate the trade. So similar to like what you said, Pat, how the Blackhawks used uh, Toronto to trade Robin Leonard, teams are going to be calling the Blackhawks to, be, to say, hey, like maybe we move a, a guy like Taylor Hall, but we have to do it through Chicago. The, Chicago is the team that absorbs the money, but then Chicago gets you know draft picks or prospects in return. So I said earlier, I don't expect the Blackhawks to be buyers, but there is a way that they could acquire <laughs> Taylor Hall. He, he just wouldn't stay here. <laughs> you <Chicago>. would never. <laughs> just passing through. <laughs> yep. Uh, one other thing here, and, and I think it's important to talk about when, when we're talking about acquiring draft picks, Charlie. This is going to be a draft like like none other in the NHL. We've got most of the draft prospects. If they're uh, you know in minor in the minors right now, they're only playing a handful of games. Some of these leagues, like the Ontario Hockey League, has not even started as of yet. So the the process of deciding who to draft is very challenging for these different organizations. So do, do you do you even think that like draft picks are not as valued this year as they've been in years mm-hmm. past because of the uncertainty of the evaluation process? Yeah, I totally agree. And, and I think that is going to be the case because teams really push for this draft to get delayed to 2022. Like, they're basically going off a year footage. And, and we're not just talking about some league. Like, the Ontario Hockey League, like, Dylan Strom, Connor McDavid, Alex Dabrinkit, these are, guys, these are all elite guys in the NHL right now that we haven't been able to see, you know, scouts or teams haven't been able to see for, for the last year what they've been able to do. So 
it's going to be awfully difficult. And I don't even know what the value of those picks would be. Like if you're, if you're acquiring a first round pick, that's great, but you're going off a year footage. And so you don't know how those players have progressed. And so it's going to be interesting to see how this market plays out and who, and which team and, and which teams set the market, right? Like if you, if you're, I saw a report the other day about Taylor Hall, like obviously Buffalo is asking for a first round pick, but they might not even get a first round pick. They might, they might have to resort to a second round pick and a prospect maybe because he's obviously struggling with only two goals. But the fact that the, the, nobody wants to give up those draft picks because they have no idea how valuable they're going to be. Charlie, maybe ask for next year's draft yeah, pick. But there, no there you go. That's, that a, that's yeah. a great call, Brian. Hey, Charlie, great work as always. We appreciate you uh, interrupting your normal uh, morning skate <laughs> duties to, uh, to jump on and give us an update on what's going on at the United Center. We will, uh, we'll talk to you later tonight on NBC Sports Chicago. Happy to do it, guys. Thanks for having me. That's Thanks, Char- Charlie. That's Charlie Romeliotis giving us the latest. Uh, Lankadin will start. Don't know about the rest of the lineup. Doc was out there with the first power play unit. Looks like they're ramping him up for a return. Again, we don't know if that will be tonight, tomorrow night, or in the not-too-distant future. Coming back with more of the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. You're listening to The Hockey Show. With Pat Boyle and Brian Hanley. Presented by Coors Light. On Chicago's home for sports. ESPN 1000. Nudibar's one-timer. Good pass from Lankin. A rebound. A second save. And a third. He beats Tippett on the last one. Cleared back to center. A takeaway by Huberto. They got a three on nothing. Huberto cuts in. Set it. Got it back. And a save by Lankin. And he just denied a three against nothing right. Holy smokes. Kevin Lankin. The Hall of Famer Pat Foley <laughs> on his game the other night. What did you say the win probability is? Uh, or a scoring probability is on a three on zero? It's got to be over 95%, certainly over 90 Certainly, you would think. Uh, It is the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000, presented by Coors Light. Break away from the nonstop chill. By the way, programming reminder, the Hockey Show is switching to 9 a.m. next week uh, as uh, baseball season gets underway. So it'll be the odds couple, Jimmy, Jimmy, from 8 to 9, and that'll be Brian and myself in uh in the hockey chairs for the hockey show on ESPN 1000 beginning at nine. So you'll be ready hockey to go never, at nine a.m. next week. Hockey never sleeps, Pat. You get uh, you you work late, you work early, you work 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 work. You're working in Tampa right now. Well, what's going on? What are you doing Jimmy, down there, I'll Jimmy? Give, I'll, I'll give you a horse. <laughs> I'll give you Korea's Brooklyn Lawn at, at Tampa today. All right, seven. Yeah, the seventh uh, race. Seventh race and. Uh, the horse is ready to go, and then we got Adios Trippy tomorrow in a stakes race in the uh, final race at Tampa. So, um, trainer uh, had the horse out this morning. Said the horse has never felt better and is uh, sitting on go. So you might get three to one, two to one, four to one, whatever. But you, you, uh, you texted me the picture. The horse, the horse is beautiful, gorgeous. Yeah, I mean, good, it's good it's looking horse. Good but, looking you know, horse has, hasn't been running so well. Well, we'll see. But, yeah, but today's the day. That's what I'm telling you. So we shipped them, uh, shipped them up here, and I flew down here. And let me tell you about airports and airplanes are back to 100 percent for just from my travels. Oh yesterday. yeah, and and, yeah. and Florida's the Wild West, correct? <laughs> oh, I, I, I switched planes in Charlotte. That was like every university just unloaded their kids there and told them to go find a plane. I mean, it was just college kids, spring break. And there's not a rental car to be had down in Florida because it is spring break and the state's open. So I'm wa- walking around with my mask and a lot of people aren't. But, uh, yeah. 
So the uh, Blackhawks get back to work tonight. Again, they have a three-point advantage over Columbus. So we're, we're, we're scoreboard watching every night, hoping that Columbus continues to lose uh, and, uh, and the Hawks increase. Now, these are huge four-point games Big. against Nashville. And you don't want those three-point nights where both teams get a point and then no. you get the second. Uh, you you want to take care of Nashville in regulation. Kevin Lankinen is going to be in the crease tonight. He'll get the start following his second career shutout on Thursday night. What do you think? Are you calling Doc tonight? You know, I'm I'm I don't think I'm. You know what I'm going to do? Because tomorrow night is a it's a dual game on national TV and local mm. on NBC Sports Chicago. I'm going to say Kirby Doc makes his debut tomorrow night. Okay, yeah, Hagel's been uh, doing pretty well this week, uh, filling in there. And so, as Charlie said, you're not putting him in in front of the the in the crease and saying, "Here, go get banged up." That, right, that'll come later. So, whatever. Um, I'm I'm with you. I think maybe tomorrow national TV give the guys a little more juice, having them back and uh, a little more eyes on the TV too. All right, you're coming up next with Freddie Hubner. Got a uh, a full slate. Uh, what oh, do you guys boy. What are you guys we, leading off with? Well, well, we got we lead right into Loyola Sweet Sixteen today. There you go, and, uh, Sister Jean, the Fighting Sister Jeans. Well, everyone and Crutwig. I mean, they they are. That's a damn good team. It's a, song. That was as impressive of a defensive effort Amen. and game plan I have seen in college basketball. In they were relentless. Illinois had no answer for them. No, I mean it goes one through ten or whatever. I mean everyone wants to play defense. Everyone knows their assignment. Crutwig, I think Bill Raftery said uh, Red uh, Red Kerr, right? Onions. I was thinking, I was thinking onions. I was thinking Tommy Vorwinkle. I mean the guy can pass. Everything goes through the center. Um, I think they were at seven point favorites. But we also have White Sox news. Unfortunately, the Sox yeah. are trying to figure out how to fill in. For Eloy Jimenez, I mean, boy, Pat, did you see that? It was like a guy hanging on the rim. It wasn't even like crashing in the wall. And, and we all saw this coming. It's it, that's yeah. the, that's the thing. I mean, you know, I I hate to pigeonhole a young player and say you're going to be a DH and, and not get a chance to play the outfield, but you got to be available to hit. You got to be available to play. Amen. And unfortunately, next five, six months, he's not going to be able to. All right, we're looking forward to you and Freddie coming up in just a couple minutes. Good luck uh, in the uh, the seven race today at Tampa. Thank you, Pat. All right, that is Brian Hanley. We will uh, hear from him coming up next with Freddie. We'll also hear from him next week when the hockey show moves to 9 a.m. My thanks to producer Tyler Aki, as always. Thank you for listening. It's the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000, presented by Coors Light. Break away from the nonstop chill. I'm Pat Boyle. See you on the pregame show tonight at 630. Go Hawks, and we'll see you next week on the Hockey Show.